Hello. <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> And welcome to Ladies Who London podcast. I'm Emily Dell. And I'm Alex Lacey and we are qualified London Blue Badge tourist guides. Each week we bring to you some of the best bits of London. We talk about our favourite people, places and events with a bit of information, a lot of laughs and a whole lot of fun. We can be found on Instagram at Ladies Who London podcast and on our websites guideemily.com and alexlacy.com for information about our upcoming walking tours and virtual tours, as well as what the Blue Badge Guiding Qualification is all about. Hello there. Hello there. How are you? I'm good. How be you? I'm very well. I don't know why we're doing the voices this week. I don't know either, but <laughs> let's go for it. <laughs> um, no, are, are you well? You okay? Uh, very well. Yes, very well. Um, it, I mean... It, kind of feel like we're drowning at the minute because the, the rain mm. is intense but it's all good it's all it good. has been intense isn't it yeah it really has it really has but um, we do have a heat wave coming do in we? a couple of weeks yeah we do i have checked oh yeah yeah so actually i think it's not this week but next week we're getting like 19 20 degrees or oh. maybe it's a week after but it's coming people it's coming yeah yes. summer amazing um we have to talk about this week the um the rather fantastic review that i said so we got oh, a review God. <laughs> on Apple, um, iTunes. I think it was actually from a little while ago, but I've only just seen it, Where, which I sent to Emily in the week, which made me laugh an awful lot um, because <laughs> the review said, and if you're still re- um, listening, um, uh, Archipelago Man, thank you very much. He said, this is the history version of Dear Joan and Jerrica. I don't know who they are, but let's let's go with yay. Um, <laughs> this is the best bit. He says, I doubt these ladies like each other very much, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> so funny i just like I hate you so much that he is he's completely bang on can't yeah. stand you but then after that what did he put he said oh. some what did he put he said something yeah. oh yeah he said ah oh, the, the shade. shade from emily <laughs> i know am i throwing shade at you alex maybe i'm very oh, you know, well it's... i need to definite yes maybe i need to uh <laughs> push myself yeah, i'm more. feeling i'm feeling very under attack right now <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, the truth is we can't stand each other, which is why we haven't recorded in the same room for a while. Nothing to do with COVID. We just... uh... No, I mean, that was a blessing in disguise, really. Because, (laughs) gosh, being next to you. Awful. Worst Um, nightmare. But that's so funny. Love that review. Keep these reviews coming in, guys. Loving it. Absolutely loving it. Well, if if you're still listening, Jericho Man, yeah, you bang on. (laughs) Well done. (laughs) Bang on the money. Can't stand it. Hilarious. Anyway, right. Well, this week, well, actually, what have you been up to? I didn't even ask you. How rude of me. Um, I'm well. I'm good. Um, I haven't been up to too much. Although somebody called me Goth Guide this week. <gasps> really? Yes. So, um, it's lovely sticking. lady. <laughs> it's sticking. I took a lady called Jessica. Hi, Jessica. She listens to our podcast um, on a, a live um, virtual tour of Wapping and she said I know you're the goth guy <laughs> amazing I mean to be honest the tour was about executions and we were going over gravestones and things so <laughs> right up your alley <laughs> but yes I was like oh my god this is actually stuck now hasn't it brilliant just, just, get the web, just get the website now just buy the domain name yeah let's, let's I've already it. ordered some black lipstick from <laughs> Amazon so oh come on you didn't need to order it at all no I've had it for years <laughs> 
Oh, jolly good. Mm. Well, well done, Jessica. Thanks for uh, thanks for really, you know, getting <laughs> the getting the getting the, uh, the crucifix in. Absolutely, getting the the um, nickname uh, sticking. I love it. Fantastic. <laughs> so last week uh, we were chatting. Oh my god, what were we chatting about? Okay. Right. <laughs> so last week we were chatting about uh, Somerset House and Waterloo Bridge. It was, yeah. and um, it was it was very nice, Alex. I learned I learned a lot exactly. last week. Thank you. <laughs> um, and the we had our podcast pedestal choices, which were uh, the rather amazing forty paintings that Monet painted of the bridge while sat in his so um, his Savoy Hotel, which I think is rather lovely because you know the bridge was such an important thing. She's she's grinning at me because she reckons she's stormed it. This Get week. on with it. <laughs> The vote has been cast, Alex. Get on with it. Yes, get on with it. Um, and the other one, which was the rubbish choice, was the uh, women bridge builders, whatever. Um, which was yeah, the, the, f- the, f- the female bridge builders, which I and everybody else seems to think was a fantastic choice. <laughs> you you don't know. You haven't seen all of the polls. You don't know. No, I haven't. I've seen two of the three, two out of the three polls. Yeah. Well, I have to say we've had the most votes we've ever had um Gosh. on this one so um and yeah it's kind of a whitewash <laughs> but i'm not going to tell you who for <laughs> she's oh she's, she's celebrating prematurely <laughs> i'm on the log flumes already my hands are up if you would if you were to take a guess about the the score what would you what would you imagine oh, do you know what i think i've got about 72 okay maybe a bit more right i mean that's that's Blooming cocky, isn't it? I mean, sometimes I've just got like four points. It's very four. cocky. Um, well, I'm going to tell I you... Think you, you. I think you're close. Okay. Maybe like in the fifties. So I'm going to tell you that the score is twenty nine to hundred and five. <gasps> oh wait, for me? <laughs> yes, it is for you. Oh my god, hundred and five! Bloody <laughs> hell, my heart's on fire. <laughs> Whoa, whoa. 105. 105. I dislike votes. all of you intensely. I didn't even vote <laughs> for myself. Apart from the 29 people who voted for me, thanks. Oh my goodness me. How do you feel about that, Alex? Like, genuinely, you're right. That is, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's a, a shame it's I'm okay. not I, you. I, 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 did know, I did think that realistically, it was a good choice. It was a, and I thought, I, I think I said last week, actually, I can't remember now. I think I said, oh, are you going to walk this one? I don't um, think you did. I think you were like, oh, I no, Monet, you know, it's all about Monet and his painting. Yeah, well, of course I'm going to try and fight my corner. <laughs> well, maybe um, I didn't say it, but I think I was secretly oh resigned to the fact that, to be fair, I would have voted for the Women's Bridge. You know what this means? Oh, God, what? That we are neck and neck. <gasps> no! We are. My we are. is gone. 16, 16. There's, oh, uh, there was a time when I was like six behind you and I have just crept up and I'm standing beside close, you on the though. podium. It is it's very close. It has been very close, Until this apart week. from the last few weeks, which I think I have just stopped. Yeah, all right, rub it in. <laughs> Sorry, I just, I mean, you know, you've been... So yes, Archipelago Man, so I really don't long. like Emily. <laughs> Confirmed. Yep. Um, wow, thank you very much to... How Absolutely. many is it? 105? 105, I think that's the mate. highest that we've ever got. Yeah, so I make that, I mean, I can't quite do the maths on that. Is that 134 votes, which I think the, the most we've ever had. Wow, thank um, you so much, everybody. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll move on swiftly, but only because Alex yes. is not into well, we're this. Even, we're even Stevens now, so um, yeah. 
bring what on to play the for fight. this week. Bring on the fight. Oh, if you win next week, you're going to be unbearable, aren't you? Absolutely unbearable. <laughs> Come on, guys. Keep the votes coming for if, me. <laughs> if anybody else out there would like to join me to host a podcast, um, <laughs> I will I soon be really, in need of a new podcast really into host. what you were saying then. I was like, oh, what's she, what she going on about here? Replacing Well, you know, I could also do, do one as well. We could just yeah, do well. our own separate ones. <laughs> Right, well, let's get on with this one then. I guess we better had. Well, this week, um, what are we chatting about? It is your week, isn't it? It's my week. So last week, the wheel landed. Do you remember, Alex, where it landed? Um, no. Yes, oh. I do. <laughs> uh, yeah, it landed in Soho, which is cool because we've not really been there before. No, we haven't. And I hope that it lands in Soho again, because there is just so much um, that's gone on there. And I have chosen to talk about a little street, which is just just outside of Soho, very close to Tottenham Court Road Station. And it is called Denmark Street. Love it. When I say Denmark Street, Alex, what do you say? Tin Pan Alley. Yes, Tin Pan Alley. So it has a musical connotation down there. And if you were to walk down Denmark Street today, which isn't a long street, you know, you could walk from one end to the other in about two minutes. Yeah, it's really it's, not long. Yeah, it's quite wee. Mm, but you've got lots of musical shops down there, mainly these days guitar shops. However, it's changing dramatically because you've got the new Crossrail station, which is being created, which means, sadly, a lot of Denmark Street is starting to dissolve. Yeah. Um, But it's got such a wonderful, rich musical history. And there are so many musicians um, and bands I'm going to talk about who really kind of made it in Denmark Street or produced and recorded music. Which is amazing when it's such a small street you wouldn't imagine that there'd be quite so much um in the way of you know stuff that had happened there when it's so so small yeah exactly i've done a few kind of rock and roll walking tours in my time and you're just (laughs) you're down denmark street for such a long period of time because there's just so much that happened there great um but let's talk about the area so the area which is known as st giles Um, We know that there was a hospital there which was created in the 12th century, um, founded by the wife of Henry I called Maud. Um, And this was a hospital which housed people with leprosy. The hospital grounds was the area that was known as St Giles and actually just at the end of Denmark Street, if you're going east, you'll find St Giles in the field which is a, a beautiful church. Yeah, it's where my friend got married. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, and it's where we do the Blue Badge Choir, isn't it, Alice? It is, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. sing at Christmas. We do, we do. Um, and there's actually been a church on the same site since the Saxon period. Um, the area is where the plague started to attack people in 1665. It's where the first plague victims were buried in the churchyard. A very ignominious history. <laughs> <laughs> and it's an area that we have actually spoke about on a podcast that we did ages and ages ago, which was um, 
the beer flood. Do you remember? Yeah. I think that was the very first one, actually. I think it was, yeah, because you were telling us all about the rookery, the area where lots of people were living in horrendous conditions. Yeah. So um, the street itself, we know that it was created after 1682. We don't exactly know when, but there was a, a map a map called the Morden and Lees map, which was uh, around 1682, and Denmark Street wasn't there at the time. Okay. So we think kind of late 1600s, the street was formed, and you would have seen beautiful houses, about three or four story stories high, little townhouses. It's a place where quite a few people uh, lived. You had famous residents such as Johann Zofin... Sorry, I can't say his word. (laughs) Johann Zofini, (laughs) who was uh, an 18th century society painter. Um, You had Dr. John Purcell, who wrote papers on historic fits. Oh, fun. Yeah. I've read them all. Yeah. And um, Augustus Sieb, who lived at number five, Denmark Street, and there's actually a blue plaque there, um, he invented the diving helmet. Oh, wow. Uh, so the diving the diving bell, I guess. Well, I guess so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, the name Denmark Street was named after George of Denmark, who married Princess Anne, who later became Queen Anne in 1702. Oh, yeah. And as you were saying, you know, you think of Tin Pan Alley and there's another blue plaque. It's actually so many blue plaques down there, uh, which does say Tin Pan Alley. Mm. And the name Tin Pan Alley, do you know where it comes from? Oh, um, I don't. If I were to guess, I would imagine I'm, I'm kind of thinking percussion and the sort of noise of stuff being banged together to make music. But I, I'm probably massively off off there no i mean you're 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 there you're in the right ballpark um so <laughs> uh, the noise the other side of the, the stands shouting at you <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so it's it's a term that was first coined in america in an area in new york which became a very popular place in the late 1800s for music music in particular being pianos and oh. some say that the the name tin pan alley comes from uh, these pianos that you would hear and if it wasn't very well um, in tune if it wasn't in tune and it was right. you know quite a decrepit piano um, then it would sound like a tin pan yeah, you get that awful sort of tinny yeah that tinny, tinny sound don't you yeah some people say that the name tin pan alley also comes from the fact that you'd have these recording studios and the idea of soundproofing hasn't been invented yet and if you're recording something, you definitely don't want somebody walking past and picking up on this fabulous melody and wonderful song and copying it. Right. So they would hire people to stand outside the recording studios to bang on tin pans oh. in order for the people walking past not to, to hear these wonderful melodies and tunes that were happening inside. Hilarious. Yeah. It's great, isn't it? I yeah. love that. I, like I mean, that. it does make me question, like, I wonder when they were recording, they hear tin well, pans yeah. in the background. Yeah. Um, anyway. But yeah, there we go. Um, and before it was known as Tin Pan Alley in Denmark Street, it was actually known as Little Tokyo. Oh. And that's because in the 1930s, you had quite a few Japanese visitors who came to London, decided to stay, and they set up shops there. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you haven't got 
Chinatown too far away. That's just up the road. Um, and it's where you had the um, Tokiwa restaurant and hotel. Uh, at number six, there was this Japanese bookshop that was there for quite a while. But slowly but surely, things start to go towards the musical side of things. And in 1944, one of my favourite songs was recorded in Denmark Street at oh. number seven. Um, this song talks Barbie about... Barbie Girl by Aqua. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my faves. Uh, but no, this one is all about coconuts. Oh, hang on. 1944. Um, it's not... Um, um, oh! I, um, Come on, you've got it. Yeah, it's in my brain, isn't it? Um... Do you want me to sing it? I, yeah, please. I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. Here they are standing in a row. <laughs> big one, small one, some as big as your head. Why does that not surprise me that that's one of your favourites? Oh, songs? I love it. It reminds me of um, my nan. You're such She's an East End paraboy, aren't you? Oh, like my nan and granddad, they, they love the old songs. And at parties, they'd always sing this one. And my nan would get up and be like, flick of the wrist. So that was recorded by Box and Cox. Uh, that's Harold Box and Desmond Cox. Right. Uh, <laughs> Harold Des, classic uh, pop duo. Yeah, and it's such a well-known tune as well. Bits of yeah. it are sung in The Lion King by Rowan Atkinson. Um, it was <laughs> yes, sung. They are, they? Yeah, it was sung by Ringo Starr in the Magical Mystery Tour. Um, it's oh. sung by Nicolas Cage in National Treasure in the movie. <laughs> and he's trying to do a bad english accent isn't it yeah right so you know think about that next time that it was recorded in denmark street was it originally a, a sort of uh, like a local song or did they write it and, and record it and then it became a big thing oh uh, yeah i don't think they thought that it was going to be as big as it it, it got right. and i don't think it really got big until about the 1960s okay Hilarious. um but yeah there you go uh, Box and Cox. Box and Cox. Uh, <laughs> the watch list. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, in 1911, so a little bit before that, you had Lawrence Wright, who was a big music publisher. He set up uh, a shop in Denmark Street and eventually created a music magazine, very well known, called The Melody Maker. Oh, yeah. Yeah, have you heard of that? Absolutely, yeah, a very yeah. famous magazine. So that was set up in 1926. So he had his shop for about 15 years, um, was publishing music and then started doing this magazine. Um, initially, they concentrated on jazz, but they had competition from the NME, which I'm going to talk about mm. very soon, um, who set up shop uh, about 10 years before on the same road. Okay. Uh, sorry, after set up shop after on the same roads so there was a bit of competition between them and the nme was you know talking and writing about all sorts of performers so the melody maker thought okay we're going to have to go a bit more mainstream right and okay. they actually in 1965 they wrote an article about the beatles and suggested that the beatles john paul um george and ringo should all have um uh, an honour. They should all be made members of the Order of the British Empire. Mm -hmm. And because of that article, that's what happened. Oh, right. Yeah. But I think uh, John Lennon refused his or gave his back, didn't he? Oh, I don't know. Did he? Yeah, I think I think he did. Oh. It's a bit rude, isn't it? Well, he's a pacifist, isn't he? 
Oh, yeah, I guess so. And, yeah. you know, he's not really a monarchist, so... No, so the other three were like, yeah, let's go for it. I think, I think, I'll double-check that. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, it's also said that the Melody Maker made David Bowie. Ah, oh, well, mm. thank you, Melody Maker. Yeah, exactly. And David Bowie said this as well. He said, yeah, it was Melody Maker that made me. It was that piece by Mick Watts. Um, and Mick Watts basically um, put this interview up in the Melody Maker of this conversation that he had with David Bowie. And uh, in it, David Bowie says, I'm gay and always have been, uh, even when I was David Jones, his uh, former name. Mm. Um, and people read it and thought, wow, who's this, who's this man? Like, you know, obviously in the 1960s as well, who's been so wonderfully honest and people just, you know, just attach themselves to him. Wow. So, yeah. Um, now, eventually, the Melody Maker stopped in the year 2000. So it went for quite some time and merged yeah. with the NME. Um, and basically gave the enemy all their contacts. Um, so the enemy is just a, a place, a hub where you've got years and years of uh, of archives about all these different musicians and different things that they've recorded and done. And then the enemy stopped as well, didn't it? In, in in print, it's come back. I think it was out for about two years, and it's back now. Um, yes but only so, in digital so it, it used to be in print and that stopped a couple of years ago yeah purely digital now um but they were founded uh in 1952 um and they initially started kind of looking at punk rock um but then eventually they'd have people like the beatles the rolling stones on their front covers um, it said that they gave the Sex Pistols their first music press coverage. Oh, wow. Um, and they kind of talked about this performance that the Sex Pistols did in the Marquee Club, which oh. is just over the road. Today, the Marquee Club is a Weatherspoons pub. Of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, I've been into quite a few times. Um, and actually, it's very cool. I can't remember what it's called, what the uh, the Weatherspoons pub is called let it's, me look it up yeah have a little look because when you go in there's um lots of memorabilia there's signed guitars on the wall and there's um different posters related to different people that performed there and you go up onto the stage to get to the back of the building to get to the the other bar at the back so it's probably one of the the coolest weatherspoon pubs in london i would say actually <laughs> which you know yeah they do have some good buildings, don't they? Um, they do, but... yeah. And the Marquee Club was a few places in Soho, but the one that's now Weatherspoon's Pub was the uh, the last one. Is it the Montague Pike? That's it, the Montague Pike. Oh, time spent in the Montague Pike. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's the one. So if you want to go there, it's on Charing Cross Road, very close to, um, what's that big theatre? The Palace Theatre, yeah. very close to the Palace Theatre. Um. So, yeah, I mean, The Enemy, they've kind of featured so many different artists. I kind of, um, I associate them with their indie music, mm -hmm. uh, like Franz Ferdinand, Block Party, Kaiser Chiefs, that kind of thing, as I know that that was quite popular during the time that I was aware of it. Mm. Um, and in the end, they decided to become free. So a free magazine that they were given to people in 2015, 
they obviously thought that they could make enough money through the advertisement. Yeah. But now, you know, hardly anybody purchases magazines, unfortunately, or at least not as much as they did, say, 20 years ago. So yeah. now, as you said, it's become purely digital. Yeah. Which is a shame because, you know, there's a big history with things like the NME and Melody Maker and um, God, the other ones, isn't there, that Kerrang and all sorts. And I don't think there's many, if any, of them going anymore, at least not in, in um, printed version. No. Well, I guess the amount of money that it costs to print, they could still get the money from the advertisers to do it online. I guess yeah. it makes sense, doesn't it? It does make sense. It does make sense. I just used to remember buying The Enemy when I was younger and oh, I used to love it. Did you? Yeah. Like, what kind of bands were you into? Oh, well, <laughs> um, oh my goodness. I, what? I really, so my no, my friend Becky and I, when we were at school, we used to love Prodigy. <laughs> So That's okay. Firestarter, Twisted Firestarter. We, we, we were very eclectic. We liked Cooler Shaker. We liked Stereophonic. We like you know. We liked all sorts of stuff. And and we we wouldn't always buy the enemy, but occasionally we would, and we sort of share it. And um, yeah, yeah, fabulous. Um, now I did mention the Sex Pistols. So um, if you go down Denmark Street and you're walking east on the right hand side, you've got number six, and uh, it is where Malcolm McLaren, oh. who was the manager of the Sex Pistols. Um, and actually, he had so many strings to his bow. He was a performer. He was a visual artist. He um, owned, along with his wife, Vivian Westwood, the Chelsea boutique shop called Sex. Oh, Sex. Sex. <laughs> Would you like to come to Sex? <laughs> um so he was the manager of a few bands. There was one band called Bad Finger, um, <laughs> who he was managing when he actually purchased the room above Number Six Denmark Street and turned it into a rehearsal room for the band. Oh, right. And then eventually he signed the Sex Pistols. And I remember, I don't think it's still there, but you'd walk past Number Six and you'd look up at the top and you'd see this little figure of the queen and it's one of those little things that you know tick 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 moves yeah um as the sun you know hits it's like powered by the sun isn't it yeah the sort of the waving queen thing the waving queen yeah. thing yeah. and instantly you're reminded of um god save the queen <laughs> which was um a song that came out by the sex pistols and it came out during the queen's uh, silver jubilee in 1977 and it was the first time that um, a number one song, a number one hit, which was God Save the Queen, was not announced. So oh. the charts went up to number two and on you know BBC, on Top of the Pops and all that kind of thing, <laughs> they refused to mention what number one was because it was such a scandal. And it was very anti-monarchist. Hilarious. It was very anti-monarchist. <laughs> and actually, um, just a couple of days before, there was going to be this huge uh, procession along the River Thames where the Queen was going to be there. You know, there was going to be a big dedication to her Silver Jubilee. Two days before, so June 7th, the Sex Pistols um, and Malcolm McLaren, uh, lots of different kind of photographers and artists, they all got on a boat and basically kind of mocked the fact that there was going to be this royal river party <laughs> in a couple of days. So you had people like Sid Vicious and Johnny Rotten, who was just getting completely <laughs> obliteratedly drunk, sailing past the Houses of Parliament Amazing. and you know putting their fingers up to the monarchy. Um, and in the end, the police stopped them. And Malcolm McLaren, who I think had a little bit too much to drink, a few too many sherbets, 
um, basically said a few words I, I can't say um, and was arrested. <gasps> yeah. I mean, like, in fairness, that I not, don't expect anything different from... from uh from that lot hilarious no no and um a few years ago they found when they were refurbishing the room where they not only recorded music but also slept occasionally as well that there were these little caricatures of the band so you'd <laughs> see kind of Sid vicious and johnny rotten and amazing uh, paul cook and everything yeah really cool i don't know if they're still there um well you'd hope so wouldn't you you'd hope so you'd hope that they'd be preserved and not covered over even if you were, you know, a shop that was taking over the building and you knew about I the mean, history. That's music history right there, isn't it? Yeah, it, it really is. Um, now, if you're on the same side as number six and you go all the way down to the bottom, so literally just before you kind of hit St Giles Church, you've got Regent Sound Studios, which today is a music shop. Mm-hmm. So you can go in there and you can purchase your ukulele, your uh, <laughs> guitars. But originally it was created as a recording studio in uh, 1948. And it's very well known as the place where the Rolling Stones recorded their debut album, yeah. um, their first EP, um, the majority of their second album as well. Um, Keith Richards from the Stones, he said... We did our early records on a two-track Revo in a Revo in a room, um, which was insulated with egg cartons. At oh, Regent Sounds, you've heard that. I've heard that before. That things are it, it's really good for um, you know for sound um, dampening, really. Yeah, yeah. Who knew? Because I guess um, in terms of soundproofing, the first kind of thing that they did that was permanent was cork, mm. where they put cork in between the walls yeah. and it's got that same kind of consistency i guess isn't it if you think about yeah, an egg box. I, I, yeah i guess so it's yeah and i don't know if it's with the egg cartons it's something to do with the the shape of them as well i don't know but um, oh, yeah maybe yeah yeah because yeah, it holds like the before. sound in the little kind of uh the void i don't know i'm this, this is science i'm not good at science <laughs> mm. but they were kind of like you know they were quite young at the time it was their first recording studio and they thought oh this is this is not what we were expecting. <laughs> Suddenly saw all these like egg boxes attached to the wall. No. <laughs> um, and it was independent, which meant that Regent Sound Studios, it wasn't overly expensive to record your music there. Mm. Um, they wanted to kind of keep it quite affordable um, for upstarting bands. And the Rolling Stones they recorded ended up going there quite a few times to record music or record their demos and things. And I think that they had a deal where they didn't actually pay because they were getting so big that, you know, if it came out that the Rolling Stones were at Regent Sound Studios, that would bring in quite quite a few clients. Yeah. Um, and it did. I mean, and you had probably people... quite a lot of, of fans hanging outside as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Can you imagine like you'd have lots of people <laughs> like, street as well like yeah women in mini skirts with hoping to get you know a signature from from one of the stones <laughs> or people like um uh, the band the who elton john recorded there uh black sabbath um the bgs just a whole host of people it's amazing to think that now because when you wander around soho it's you know it's very busy and there's people everywhere and you can't really imagine that some of the largest groups musical groups of the era would just randomly stroll around there but i guess they would you would have seen them all the time all the time and um 
Yeah, there's a club that I'm going to talk about soon where you would just see all these uh, prolific artists going in and out constantly. Yeah. You know, it was absolutely the place to be, especially because it's spilled over from Soho where you've already got lots going on in the way of music. Yeah. Um, yeah. And actually, Regent Sound Studios, it had to um, be extended. So they created another studio, not in the same building, but a little bit further around to where Tottenham Court Station is today. Okay. Yep. And it's where Paul McCartney recorded a song called Fixing a Hole. I don't know if you're aware of that one. I don't know uh, that one. <laughs> I think that says quite a lot. Um, <laughs> I don't know it either. <laughs> Fixing a hole. Um, and this was due to the fact that Abbey Road, which is where the Beatles uh, always recorded their music, it was um, all booked out. Mm. And it was one of the first first times, actually, that they recorded somewhere else. Yeah, and I've heard that when when it was getting booked out like that, he eventually created a replica of the Abbey Road studio in the basement of MPL Records, which is his um, recording studio or recording company, which is on Soho Square. Ah, yeah. Apparently there now is a replica in the basement if he needs to record and can't get into Abbey Road for whatever reason. Oh, there you go. Paul McCartney doing doing pretty well. Got got cash, hasn't he? (laughs) (laughs) So um, it was Regent Sound Studios up until the 1980s. Um, the last ever band to use it and record there was Bananarama. Hey! Hey, Bananarama. So after Bananarama, it was turned into a bookshop which was called Helter Skelter. And this was uh, a bookshop, of course, all about music, musicians and and different things related to that subject. Um, and now it's called Regent Sounds. It's a shop where, as I say, you can go in and purchase your musical instruments. Hurrah! Now, um, clubs, bars. One club down there was called the Geoconda Club. Have you heard of this? I've not, no. So um, it's where it's believed that David Bowie met the real-life Ziggy Stardust. Oh, tell me more. Yeah, so Ziggy Stardust apparently was a man called Vince Taylor. Vince Taylor was a musician He was a lead singer of a band called Vince Taylor and his Playboys. Apparently, he was very good. He was very good. Um, But he was obsessed with outer space and aliens. And it's believed that he would be in there drinking and he would try to get people to look at a map where he could point out UFO sightings. (laughs) And there was one occasion when... He was kind of on the floor. He had this map uh, out and trying to get people's attention. And people were just laughing at him. People would kind of see him as a bit of a joke. Um, Some people would kind of like throw their drinks at him because they would just think that he was, you know, talking nonsense. And David Bowie walked in at one time and saw all this and said, hey, Vince, you know, show me your UFO sightings. And Vince Taylor was just like, Oh my gosh! Like, and I guess actually... David Bowie was was famous by this point as well. He was, yeah, um, and he really got on well with this man called Vince Taylor, who was clearly suffering from something mentally, um, and he suffered a lot from drug abuse. And in the end, he got taken to an asylum, and his music career obviously stopped. So. Ziggy Stardust is all about the rise and fall, the rise and fall of this particular man um, who, you know, is so uh, attached to space and aliens and 
yeah it's just a lovely wow. thought that you know you can see it like if there's bullying happening at school or something and david bowie walks in he's like hey vince show me a ufo sighting you're my new best mate and I'm gonna yeah and because it's david bowie oh, everyone's like oh my god yeah actually vince taylor is a pretty cool guy wow um yeah and yeah. i just love that i i can't like then that he's you know immortalized in 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 ziggy yeah yeah and then um, it was eventually turned into a coffee bar, which was called Barino. And then in 2008, it was called the Giaconda Dining Room, where you could go in and you could sit down and have a nice meal. And then eventually it was called La Giaconda, but it closed in 2014. Right. Um, I don't know what it is now. I have to say, I haven't walked down Denmark Street for a little while. Mm. Might have to have a little, another little look down there. Rubbage. But yeah. yeah, as I say, because of the cross rail, you've got a lot of it that is just starting to, starting to close now. It's a real shame, real shame. Yeah, it is. And I know there's been a concerted effort to keep Denmark Street um, for quite a while. I think it's been people have been sort of campaigning to keep it and um, all that kind of thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah tricky, yeah, definitely. Um, somebody uh, who worked down there was a man called Lionel. Bart. Have you heard of Lionel Bart? Oh, yes, I have. Now, why have I heard of Lionel Bart? I should know. Uh, enlighten me. Are you a fan of Oliver? There we go. Yes, yes, I know. Yeah, I know exactly <laughs> who Lionel Bart is now. Yes, I am, yeah. So he created the musical Oliver. Well, he, you know, he wrote the book and did everything to do with Oliver. And he was known You say as... wrote the book, you don't mean the, the, the actual original book. You mean the, the, the script. The script, sorry, the actual script. He wrote the script. I can tell you who wrote the book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, the script. The script. Um, so he was known as the King of Denmark Street. Um, he was a British writer, a composer. Um, he worked alongside the director Joan Littlewood at such a beautiful theatre, which is the Theatre Royal in Stratford East. Mm, mm. Um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, who was the creator, or was he still alive? Yeah, that's right. Was the creator? Is the creator? Created. Uh, of, uh, created. Thank you. Of the Phantom of the Opera and various other musicals, he said that Lionel Bart was the father of the modern British musical. Um, he. Well, I mean, the, the songs in Oliver are iconic, aren't they? They are. Is this what we're waiting for? Can we live to eighty-four? I just love it. Oh, I was I was tempted to join in, but I was enjoying that far too much. <laughs> um, is it eighty four? Might even be twenty four. So I, can't, I, I don't know. know what I can't remember. Doing very well if you can live to eighty four. Um, so uh, some of the other uh, different kind of songs that he wrote was the theme song, um, which was from Russia with Love, James oh, yeah. Bond. Yeah, yeah, I think I'd read that about him at some point. Uh, Living Dole by Cliff Richard. Really? Yeah. Uh, Far Away by Shirley Bassey. Gosh. Mm, so the King of Denmark Street. Yeah, really. And uh, another club, which is on the left-hand side of the road, or was on the left-hand side of the road, uh, number 12, if you're going east, um, sorry, number 26, is the 12 Bar Club. Um, the building was very old. I mean, it has changed here and there, and there was a, a big fire. It was actually an arson attack in the late 1900s, um, which changed so many of the original features inside because it was a, 
uh, a stable. It was used as stables and was part of the hospitals from 1635. Um, eventually, it was turned into a blacksmith's. Okay. And there was this big fireplace that later on, when you went in there to see performances, the fireplace was still there. And it's where musicians kind of kept their instruments whilst they were playing. Oh, right. Yeah. That's quite cool. Yeah, it's cool, isn't it? <laughs> um, but before that, it was actually a comic shop, which was called Paradise Alley, um, which lived opposite the Forbidden Planet shop. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, so the Forbidden Planet shop now is not too far. It's just around the corner, kind of um, going yes. towards the British Museum. It's very close to Covent Garden, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. very close. So it's you had Shaftesbury. yeah, so you had Paradise Alley and Forbidden Planet kind of going head to head with each other, and that was a bit of a theme actually, as I mentioned, where you had the Enemy and the Melody Maker. You had these studios that were going against each other. Um, but it was all friendly. It was friendly competition. Um, before it was called the 12 Bar Club, it was called the Forge Folk and Blues Club. That's, that's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it was originally a social club, which was for staff members that basically worked on Denmark Street. Right. So I think that would have been quite cool because, you know, you probably would have wanted to go in there and, and hang out with all these cool people. But you could yeah. only do so if you worked along Denmark Street. Yeah. Gosh. Um, and then in 1994, so it turned into the 12 Bar Club. This was created by a man called Phil Ryan, who was an English musician, or I should say is an English musician. I keep killing <laughs> these people off. You don't kill um, them off all the time. <laughs> no. He um, is very well known because he toured with the animals oh. um, and also is the co-founder of The Big Issue. Oh, yes, I thought that. I was thinking that when you said his name. I was thought, oh, is that the same guy? Yeah, yeah. He he goes into um, places like London Business School and kind of talks about how, um, you know, how he set up the big issue, how to set up a company. Um, Fascinating. Yeah, so he was the one that kind of got the 12 bar going and mm. actually won quite a few, event, uh, quite a few awards. Um, won in 2005, which was uh, the Time Out Best Music Venue Award. Yeah. And in 2012, The Telegraph ranked the 12 bar as the second best venue in the world. Wow, that's a bit of an accolade. Isn't it? Uh, have you, did you ever go in there? No. So I went in there once and I felt really out of place. Everyone was so cool. <laughs> Achingly cool, yeah. I think that, no, that's the kind of place like... I would never have stepped foot. I'm nowhere near cool enough for that. Oh my God. I was like um, early 20s and I just felt... I don't know. There was, but there was a particular buzz in there. You know, it's yeah. like a, a two-level place with a balcony. Uh, no more, unfortunately, but it had a balcony, so you could sit um, or stand and watch the performances. And you would have, um, especially around the time when I was going, a lot of people that would perform there that would just start in their music careers. Mm -hmm. So people that you didn't really know. Um, but you would also have these kind of secret events where suddenly you'd hear that Adele had played there <laughs> or you'd have, um, 
kind of like a mainstream performers such as Damien Rice, the Libertines, uh, Keen, Jeff Buckley. You'd only find out about them after it happened, that kind of thing. Yeah, ah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so like if you were there to watch, I don't know, a couple of musicians that you didn't know and you decided to stay, then you might suddenly, you know, see somebody that you wasn't expecting to play. Wow. Um, and this place was such an in- institution that when it all came out that because of the Crossrail um, and the area, you know, they're wanting to kind of, I guess, gentrify the area and, and change the way that it looks. There was a petition and 17,000 people signed this petition to stop um, them changing the street wow. and getting rid of some of the buildings. Unfortunately, this didn't help. And you even had uh, Pete Townsend from The Who, who wrote in the papers at the time. He said, in the 60s, I bought fuzz boxes and strings for my guitars from Macri's Guitar Shop in Denmark Street. The Who did a backing vocal rehearsal with Shell Tammy in Denmark Street at Regent Sound. And I used to shop at the drum store when living in nearby Wardour Street. Boris Johnson, who was the mayor at the time and Camden Council please make Denmark Street a heritage zone otherwise a massive chunk of rock music history will be lost forever but unfortunately this was in vain because I think that's going to be the sort of thing that that is regretted in in future years to be honest yeah yeah I think so I mean they have now turned what is left into a heritage site you know you've got quite a few blue plaques up there now um I think there are eight listed buildings which absolutely cannot be tampered with so how much of it was torn down because I have to say I haven't been up there for a little while so it's more kind of um, uh, the bits at the back, like the kind of the little studios at the back of Denmark Street. Right. And if you're going down on the left-hand side, um, just past where the 12 Bar Club would have been, some of the buildings have come down there. Right. And you'll see these days, I mean, there's just scaffolding. You've got people in hard hats. That whole area is just a big construction zone. Yeah. Apart from when you first go down the street, if you're coming away from Soho and you do see these uh, guitar shops and and music shops that are still there, but a lot of it is just starting to look really sad. Yeah, it is starting to look a bit sad, which is a real shame. Yeah. I have to say, because I I, um, I think just before lockdown, I bought a... um, a ukulele book from one of the shops on Denmark Street and I got a little thrill from doing that I was kind of like well, I'm, you know I'm part of rock history now obviously yeah I'm yeah, a famous exactly. ukulele player that I am um yeah and I it was it was rather lovely it was a yeah I kind of I specifically went to Denmark Street to, to buy something yeah nice yeah hmm. uh, now lastly a little uh little thing about Elton John so he used to work at Mills Music um as a 17 year old when he was uh, regged white at the time. And he worked in there and he would basically, I think he'd get like £3.50 a week and he would make tea for everybody in there and like have a little tinkle on the piano when no one was looking. What a sweetie. Really sweet. (laughs) And just on top of um, a kind of another office, it was like a... Uh, an office that was run by a man called Dick James. It was Dick James' music label. And a man called Bernie Taupin. Do you know Bernie Taupin? Yes, absolutely, I do. Yep. So who was the writer for Elton John's music, or yeah. most of his music. He was sat on top of this particular office. He was waiting for Elton John. And this is where he started to come up with the lyrics, kicked off the moss. 
Do you know oh, that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, how does that one start? Um, I sat on the roof. That's it. And I kicked, and I kicked off the moss. One of yeah. those things they've got me quite lost, or quite something like that. Like <laughs> yeah, basically your I'm song, not very good at John. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's where he he first kind of started writing that, and oh, wow. and where that song was born. Gosh, that's yeah. that, now that's quite an amazing bit of rock history, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And Denmark Street is mentioned in an Elton song called uh, "Bitter Fingers." Oh, they I talk about that. talk about Denmark Street. Um, so yeah, there you go. As I say, down there you've got quite a few blue plaques. Um, uh, some of the buildings are not going to be torn down and will remain as they are. Regent Sound is still going, although it's a music shop, it is still going. I think that's one of the protected venues, actually. Um, so yeah, have a little walk down and maybe look above uh, number six look on the first floor or second floor of number six and see if you can see that little image of the queen shaking yeah. and yeah, waving her hand yeah. oh fantastic i'll definitely have a look for that next time i'm down there might have to have a, a little rummage in the next few weeks when my knee uh, gets better yeah. um wonderful thanks so much em you're welcome what a great bit of rock history i mean I, uh, yeah it's it's amazing how much is packed into that really quite short street Mm. Um, and of course the rock history spills out into Soho and it's all over the place and yeah. we probably could have talked for hours if we'd have done the whole thing but um, yeah what what a fantastic place to to go and have it because it kind of feels like a little bit of a secret now because it is so sort of it's a little bit out of the way and it is a little mm. bit like you say looking a little bit sad and tired and it's not quite as as busy and thronging as it probably once was so it does mm. feel like a little bit of a, a secret history spot but um, perfect for perfect for a podcast Yes. Thanks so much. No worries. No worries. Podcast pedestal. So podcast pedestal. Podcast pedestal, right. Um, I know exactly what I'm going to do. Oh, do you? Yeah, the minute you said it, I was like, that's mine. If you're happy for me to. (laughs) Oh, no, I freaked you out. (laughs) You have freaked me out because I think we're probably going to go for the same thing. No. Okay. Who's going first? (laughs) Let's say it together. Okay. One, two, three. Ziggy. Vince Taylor. Is that, is that, is that yes, Ziggy? Right? Oh no! <laughs> oh damn it! Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you have it. I think neither of us should have it. <laughs> no, I'm gonna let you have it. You sure? I am gonna let you have it. Okay. I think for me, it's gonna be the little uh, the Queen in the window. Queen in the window. All right. Yeah, I think the connections to the Sex Pistols and the the rebels that they were and how yeah. much anarchy I'm sure that they um, created down Denmark Street. I think I'm going to go for the little queen. I don't know what they're called though. Um, I don't know. Solar waving queen, queen? Waving queen toy thing. Waving queen toy. Yeah, waving queen. God save yeah. the queen. Waving queen in the window. Yeah, yeah. Is that a terrible one? No. Mm, sometimes you give me a good reaction. You haven't given me a good reaction. Well, because that's because I'm feeling a little bit mean about carrying, having Vince Taylor. I mean, you should. <laughs> no, I don't think I, I think I think none of us should. Have, I think if we can't share, then none of us should have it. <laughs> um, it's up to you. I'm I'm going to let you have it if you want it. Um, I think that would be unfair. So let's not let's neither of us have it. Okay. You go for the waving queen, and I am going to go for. Um, 
let's think. I actually quite like the Bernie Torpin sitting and waiting for Elton John. I quite like that. That's a nice one. That's yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. I so do you I want th- him, the, the, the fact that he's waiting for Elton John? Well, the sort or... of the, 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 the inspiration for wait, yeah, him waiting for him is the inspiration for the lyrics. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how we kind of phrase that. Uh, but... Torpin writing your song. I don't know. Torpin on the, yeah, Torpin tor- kicking off the moss. Yeah, something like that. Something along those lines, whatever we can fit into the poll. <laughs> Hi, Nick. <laughs> um, whatever we can fit into the poll, I'm happy for. Okay. Yeah. Something Brilliant. along those lines. Yeah, I think that's it. Because I don't okay. think it would be fair if, if one or other of us had... I mean, realistically, that is the big... That's the headline, That, that is but... the biggie. That is the biggie. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that, Alex. Thank you very much. Yeah. There we go. So those are your options. So is Bernie Taupin kicking off the moss and, and waiting for, for Elton John and, and, um, and, and getting inspired to write your song? And yours is... The Queen, the toy waving in the window, reminding us that that's where the Sex Pistols lived and recorded music and, of course, were absolute anarchists. I know. I love it. I kind of like that idea of walking along and pointing that, the Queen out to people. I'm going to do that and not credit you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Not surprised at all. (laughs) The Wheel of Destiny. So, let's go to the wheel of destiny super exciting You're where do you your want hands it together. <laughs> i'm so so excited i'm applauding the wheel um what would you like to go for Is there anywhere that we've got on the wheel that we haven't been yet i can't try to think i'm up for something have we done uh, bloomsbury oh uh, maybe not Maybe not for... Maybe we did once. Oh, I don't think we've been to King's Cross. Oh, no, we haven't been up there. King's Cross is on the wheel. Yeah, we haven't been up there yet. Um, well, let's just give it a, give it a spin, Greenwich, see where the, the, the chips fall where they may. I think we've been to most places. Okay, right, you ready? Go for it. Okay, off we go. Oh, it's oh have we had oh i think we've had this once Whitechapel. oh yay cool all right um white chapel let me have a look at my little list oh i tell you what yeah i know exactly what i want to do here uh i would like to look at the white chapel bell foundry oh good one yeah i like i like the bell foundry um and it's going through lots of changes at the minute so i yeah i think that's what we're going to look at white chapel bell foundry fantastic it's a little okay. gem well look forward to that ding to the dong absolutely ding to the dog Uh, well that's it for this week thank you everybody for coming and listening thank you Em for a fantastic chat about no problem no problem and we'll see you next week for more Ladies Who London please go and rate subscribe like the podcast all of those things and don't forget the polls for podcast pedestal go up on a Sunday on Instagram and you can message us or whatever you want with your vote as well there we go perfect thank you so much everybody thank you Alex have a great week Take care. Bye.